We are back with a lot of news and notes to get to, including the Hall of Fame inductees, Eric Carlson potentially on the market, the Ottawa Senators struggling mightily, the Devils and Bruins might be legit, and the Leafs get a goaltender back. All that and more in episode 157 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. episode 157 on this Wednesday, November the 16th day. You can follow along with the podcast on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. I am also on another podcast called Night Shift. It is an exclusive podcast to the London Knights with myself and Mike Stubbs, who is the play-by-play voice of the London Knights. You can catch that on all of those platforms as well. Um... Everything good on my end over here. You know, we're excitingly getting back in a hockey season. It's starting to snow a little bit. It actually feels like winter, which is really nice. But we've got to get to some things here, including the Hall of Fame inductees were officially welcomed in on Monday night. Six new members. We're going to talk Eric Carlson potentially on the market. You remember Ottawa at the beginning of the season and how all the hype around them in terms of making the playoffs and the top six? They're struggling And I called it. Devils and Bruins we'll get to as well, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's start with the Hall of Fame inductees. On Monday night, six new members were inducted in, including Roberto Luongo, Daniel Henrik Sedin, Daniel Alfredson, Rika Salonen, and Herb Carnegie. Now, Let's start with with Roberto Luongo. When I was a kid, my first time I did the hockey school, Roberto was the guy showing us what to do. I just thought, this guy's so good. He's so big and so smooth. I had his picture on the wall when I was, I don't know, 10 years old. He was one of the best goalies to ever play the game, and I grew up playing NHL video games with him as the goalie, and you're kind of starstruck when you see him at the other end. My first NHL game was against him. It was pretty special playing against an all-time great great teammate, a great friend. I had the chance to share a lot of moments with him, and I think he really deserved to get to the Hall of Fame. We're gonna be legendary. the game looks so easy. He made some nice glove saves, uh, a little bit flashy, I always like that. The pre-scout we had before him not go anywhere near his glove, it just sticks right in there, no rebounds, nothing. We're gonna be legendary. I love the way he played, I learned so much from him. He had a lot of athleticism, but he would make some crazy saves in there, but he also played with a lot of structure. I think he got better and better as the game went on and students had a ton and stole games all the time. The respect and trust of your teammates is something you always want to gain as a goalie and I think you can do that by showing up every day and working hard. When a goalie is named captain, that means he's a great leader. done and how he's handled himself with communities and something I look up to. Everything he's done has been so tremendous for the game. He's going to be marked down in history as one of the greatest of all time. From 
start to finish in his career, he was always one of the best, and it's well-deserved that he's being entered into the Hall. The Loos cascading down. Luongo was and will always be thought of as one of the premier goaltenders in hockey. So for, for people trying to understand what are their credentials and everything like that, Roberto Luongo is fourth all-time in wins at 489, ninth in shutouts at 77. He is eighth in career save percentage, which is a 919, which is stupid. Now, while he never won a Stanley Cup, he made it to the finals with the Canucks in 2011. Uh, unfortunately, he also never won a Vesna, but he was a finalist three times and potentially robbed in 2004 when he was with the Florida Panthers, presumably because Florida was not a very good hockey team. But he's also a gold medalist when he was with Team Canada in 2010 as the starter, and he won another one in 2014 as the backup. He's also won a World Cup of Hockey in 2004. There are some incredible moments from Roberto Luongo where he was just... He, there were times where he, when he was in net, he was impossible to beat. And whether it was his early time in Florida... The reigning time where he was a captain. He was also a captain for two seasons with the Vancouver Canucks. But he just, those playoff runs, specifically in 2010, he was at the absolute height of his existence and career. And I just remember him being such a polarizing goaltender. And when this dude was on, good luck. Like, you weren't beating him. He was that good. And... Got to give kudos to Roberto Luongo going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Just getting control of the puck. Kept his legs moving to make sure that he kept that two-on-one. There's Daniel. What a goal! Patrick Daniel Sedin. What a beauty. by the Vancouver Canucks. What a tip pass by Henrik Sedin. And then just magic. I mean, this is like an exhibition right now. They're having so much fun. Look at that no-look tip by Henrik. He knew exactly where Daniel was going to be. A great anticipation by Mika Kiprasov. He tries for the poke check, but it's just too quick. Between the legs and up and over. A career high for Daniel and a three-point lead for Henrik. Something that he knew coming in was going to need to go into tomorrow with Alexander Ovechkin. I thought he was joking when he said, <laughs> he said I need seven. <laughs> he might. He's got four. 20 seconds apart. Daniel Sedin has his fourth career hat trick, a career high in points, and Henrik Sedin has a four point night. Originally drafted second and third by the Canucks in 99. They went on to play 17 seasons, all in Vancouver. Um, they are as dynamic a duo as you could possibly imagine. It helps, obviously, brothers being twins. Uh, let's start with Daniel. Left winger, more known for his finishing ability, had 393 goals, which is the most in Canucks history, 1,041 points in 1,306 games. He is a Ted Lindsay Award winner, an Art Ross Award winner, and also won the Hart Trophy and runner-up after a 104-point season. Henrik... His center and playmaker had 830 career assists for 1,070 points in 1,330 games, which all 
ranks first in Canucks history. He also won the Hart and Art Ross Trophy during his 112-point campaign in 2009-2010 and led the league in assists for three years in a row from 2009-10 to 2011-12. Together, they helped Sweden capture a gold medal in 2006 at the Olympics and led the Canucks to the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals as well. Daniel Alfredson. Alfredson Alfredson with a shot. He scores! He's one of my childhood heroes. He was huge in Sweden. A pioneer for my generation. And the Calder goes to Daniel Alfredson. One of the Swedes that brought it on the, on the highest level in the NHL with the national team. Being the captain for a Canadian market team, show everyone in Sweden that a Swedish guy could actually be the captain. The face of Swedish hockey, for sure. It was pretty cool to watch him you know, dominate and, and play his style of hockey. You know, I just remember those Leafs Senators rivalries kind of back in the early 2000s. Matts and him, you know, with the stick throwing. We were in Ottawa for his jersey retirement. To see the class he had, to see how much the fans and his teammates respected him was just something I'll never forget. Did so much for the community, did so much for the whole city of Ottawa. He's a legend there. to the Stanley Cup final for the first time in franchise history. When I think of Ottawa, I just think of him. He had a huge impact on that team. The player that he was 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 pretty special. Alfredson, his shot, scores! Number 400 wins it for Daniel Alfredson. It doesn't get any better. Number 1,000 seals the game. Very, very hardworking guy. Good at both ends of the ice, big shot. A pure goal scorer, which which I love. I think his hair stands out the most, but uh, no, he was just so good at everything. Really created a lot of great memories for our kids growing up, and we're happy to celebrate him this year and and that uh, amazing achievement. Yes, Danny Alfredson, 18 seasons, 17 with the Ottawa Senators. Compiled over 1,100 points in 1,246 games. He's Ottawa's all-time leader in goals, assists, points. He was the 1996 Calder Trophy winner and helped Ottawa get to the 2007 Stanley Cup Final. He was also a part of that Swedish um, Olympic gold-winning team in 2006, leading the team with 10 points in eight games. He was the captain of the Sens for 13 seasons and won the Marc Messier Leadership Award in 2013. He was as beloved an Ottawa senator as you can possibly imagine. That dude exemplified everything you could you could possibly want in a captain. And I think Ottawa was a very fitting spot for him. As a Leaf fan, he frustrated me to no end. He could get under your skin. He could score. He could set goals up. He was solid defensively. He, um, he exemplified what a captain meant being during his time when he played. And, uh, and very deserving of uh, going in the Hall of Fame. Rika Salonen became the first European woman ever to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is pretty incredible to me. She won two Olympic bronze medals in 2019 at the World Championships and a silver medal with Finland. Salonen, who was a center, she is 11th all-time with 60 points in 45 World Championship games and is 12th all-time with 25 points in 23 Olympic contests. Remember, she is not a member 
of Team Canada. She is not a member of the United States. And being on Finland, like, for women's hockey, there are two juggernauts. And then there are some definite, like, secondary um, teams and whatnot. But she is over a point-per-game player on the world's biggest stage on a team that is not Canadian or American. That is remarkable. Congratulations to Nika. And then finally, Herb Carnegie. And if you don't know the name Herb Carnegie, he played back in the 1940s and 50s. He was named Quebec's Provincial League MVP three consecutive times. After his playing career, he founded the Future Aces, one of Canada's first ever hockey schools. He's also a member of the Order of Canada. So no, he never played in the NHL. But it wasn't because he wasn't good enough. He was of Jamaican descent and unfortunately endured endless racism during his playing career. He had incredible um, numbers across his 10 seasons in the minors from 44 to 54. Like I said, named Quebec Provincial League MVP three times. Congratulations and well-deserved for Herb Carnegie and all of the Uckdees into the Hockey Hall of Fame. All right, let's get back to some NHL news involving current players right now. And and I want to start with the San Jose Sharks here. You know, the Sharks are in a very precarious situation. They traded away Brent Burns. They're trying to shed cap. They're trying to build anew um, with uh, Mike Greer as the general manager of the organization. And right now, Mike Greer is sitting on a gold mine. Potentially right now. There are calls coming in for defenseman Eric Carlson. He said, quote, I'll listen, but at the end of the day, a lot of it will depend on Eric. He's got the trade protection and has control over what he wants to do. I know right now he's happy. He's happy in San Jose. His his family's happy here, and we're thrilled to see how he's playing. But if you have an opportunity... I understand that you want to build good relationships. I understand that you want to you want to keep players happy. But this is your first season as a general manager. And Eric Carlson is carrying a cap hit of like $11 million. One of the big issues surrounding the San Jose Sharks right now is the fact that they don't have cap space. They were trying to figure out how to re-sign Timo Meyer and Logan Couture for a time being. And you've got a lot of other young players who have unfortunately not been a part of this team anymore because you don't have any money because it was tied up with your defensemen and um, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Edward Mark Edward Vlasic. If a team comes in is willing to take on Eric Carlson, I'm assuming there's going to be some salary retained. But if you can minimize that, because Eric Carlson is on a tear right now where through 17 games, he has 22 points. He is signed through 2026-27, and not 11, sorry, $11.5 million. Now, the Sharks already moved off Brent Burns, and maybe that has opened the door for Eric Carlson to return to form. Maybe he's the guy who you keep around with the organization. I'm not saying you don't. But if Mike Greer is like wants to strip this thing down and rebuild it back up, because San Jose is in a really weird spot right now, where like the goaltending situation is what Aiden Hill and James Reimer, and you've got a couple offensive players, but you know Timo Meyer's your big guy. You've got Couture, and then you're kind of filling it out with with other guys just to make the roster. But if you can get a one a haul back for Eric Carlson, draft capital. That would be your mark on the team to build it to what you want it to look like. 
And then you've got cap room on the side to go sign subsequent and other players to fill the hole that is left by Eric Carlson. You won't get another Eric Carlson, but you could get two to three players that could make up what Eric Carlson does and spread the wealth among your roster. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. I'm just saying if an offer came that was too good to be true, how do you not pass it up? Like, how do you, how would you pass that up? If a team with all that cap space is giving you draft capital players and is taking cap off of your number, I don't see why you wouldn't entertain the idea of that. He said he'd think about it. Again, it all comes down right now to what Eric wants. But if I'm Greer or San Jose or anything like that, and I get an offer from a team that is too good to pass up, you know, you say, listen, I know you're happy here. I know that things are great, but this is business, and this is a great business decision for me. So it's very interesting that that came up. We'll see what happens. I don't think anything's going to happen this year, especially because there's so much time left on his deal, and I don't think I don't think San Jose is going to be willing to pay part of his contract to not play there. That Like the last time, I'm trying to think of it, but a team like the Maple Leafs when they traded Phil Kessel away, they ate nearly $2 million for like five years. It was, it was not thrilling when they when the deal was made but they got a lot of that eight million dollars off the cap so we'll see what happens moving forward with Eric Carlson and the Sharks let's move on to the Canadian market let's talk the Ottawa Senators for a second you know there was a tweet that's been resurfacing lately and the tweet said it's September 9th today mark my words the Ottawa Senators will finish with more points and a better record than the Toronto Maple Leafs. This, of course, after all the moves that took place, including trading for um, Alex DeBrinkett, signing Claude Giroux. Like, they brought over Cam Talbot. They traded away. Uh, Connor Brown. And they said that they had one of the best top sixes in hockey. And listen, I like the top six a lot. I really do. But right now, Josh Norris is hurt. We're going to talk about Shabbat a little bit later. Artem Zub, Nikita Zaitsev went on waivers. But they've still got Stutzla and Batherson and Giroux and Kachuk and all those guys. But right now, the Ottawa Senators are sitting, can you guess? Dead last in the Atlantic Division. Dead last. And I remember saying this. When all the hype was there around Ottawa... I said on this podcast, can we slow it down, pump the brakes, and why did I bring that up? Because defensively, they made no changes, and they had a goaltending tandem that was as questionable as any tandem in hockey. Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg. Nothing appealed to me about their back end and about their goaltending. And to date right now, they have a minus two goal differential. They are five, nine, and one, and two, seven, and one over their last 10 games. They are behind the Buffalo Sabres, who they play tonight. They're behind the Canadians. They're behind the Red Wings. And now Thomas Shabbat is going to miss some time, too. They said their struggles right now, according to Pierre Dorian, it's not on coaching. That tells you everything you need to know about where it stands with Pierre Dorian, the general manager. 
said it's not on the coach. So I have faith in the coach. I have faith in the team. But right now the team, even since DJ Smith has taken over, 86, 113, and 25. Again, I like the top six. I do. Never said the top six was bad. But just because you have a good top six doesn't mean you have a great team. Think about all the great teams in hockey. Come trade deadline, what are they trying to acquire? Bottom six forward, depth defensemen, really bolster what they already have. Ottawa needs more than just a depth forward or a depth defenseman. They need a better goaltender than what they have. They need a top four defenseman and a guy that's going to make an actual impact on the back end. And they've been looking, apparently. Nikita Zaitsev was waived. They are looking for a defenseman on the back end. And that is no secret. But that was the issue coming into the season. It was not a secret to anybody, at least not to me. I knew their goaltending wasn't going to be great. I knew their defense wasn't going to be good enough. Yeah, you have Thomas Shabbat. That's kind of it. I have sense fans telling me, yo, Artem Zub's actually really good. Well, he's hurt right now too. And yes, I know injuries suck. I get it. Every team is dealing with injuries. Every team's got injuries. The injury excuse It's a wash because every team's got a player who they think is impactful to their roster is not playing. Fans made the comparisons between them and the Leafs. Let's go to the Leafs. 50% of the games this season, the Leafs have started their third string goaltender. One of their better defensive defensemen, Jake Muzzin, is on a long-term IR and might not play hockey again. They had their other top four defensemen and Timothy Lilligren hurt for some time. John Tavares had an injury to start the season. TJ Brody's out for a couple weeks. They're second in the division. Every team has injuries. The Predators have injuries. The Habs have it. Like every team has injuries. That cannot be the excuse. That can't be the reason. I'll tell you what the reason was. The reason is the issues surrounding this team were not addressed in the offseason. They didn't go get a defenseman. They wanted goals, so they got goals. Great, you're scoring decently. Can't keep the puck out of your net. Don't have an NHL goaltender. Don't have a goaltender who is like a legit number one starting caliber 50 to 55 game starter. And outside of Thomas Shabbat, and if you want to throw in Artem Zub, but Artem Zub is what? In your top four at best? You need another difference-making defenseman or a guy you can pair to have a top unit. And right now, they don't have it. It doesn't look like they're going to have it anytime soon. So they got to figure it out. It's my rant on the sense, by the way. Oh, just to put in perspective on where they sit right now. So goals per game, they're ninth. It's a big step up. They went from 26th to ninth in that, in that category. Goals against per game, 22nd last year, 3.22. 26th this year at 3.53. Shots per game top 10, power plays 12th, penalty kill 20th. 
Goals for differential, they went from 25th to 13th. Shooting percentage, 27th to 11th. Save percentage, middle of the pack. Fortunately, right now, until they keep the puck out of their net and learn to play a little bit better defensively, doesn't matter how many goals they're going to score. Not winning games that way. Um, let's talk about a couple teams that are doing well. One team that I said at the beginning, before the season started, that I think was going to be better than most people thought was the Boston Bruins. For two reasons. One, I love the fact that they kept their core together. And two, David Krejci returned. David Krejci to me was a difference-making player that they just did not have last year. They really hurt at the second-line center position. They had Charlie Coyle there, and I don't mind Charlie Coyle, but I don't think he's like your prototypical number two centerman. I think a lot of teams around the NHL have a better second-line center than the Bruins did last year with Coyle. Fast forward this year. David Krejci comes back over from Europe, slots right into the lineup. Shocker, he's a great hockey player. David Krejci this season, like not doing crazy points, but in 13 games, he has nine points. He's a very good defensive center, plays about 16 minutes a night, is paired with DeBrusque, who's having a good season with 11 points in 15 games. Pasternak's been on a tear because he's been able to go up and play with Patrice Bergeron. Pavel Zaka's got nine points. Charlie Coyle's been able to slot in and play a little bit uh, more his role. And they're just, they're a hard team to beat. They've always been a hard team to beat. That's never going to change. And their goaltending's been great. Linus Allmark has a 196 goals against and a 938 save percentage. And they're 14 and 2 on the year. They've won 11 of their last 12. The only loss came against the Maple Leafs on a Saturday night on the road. Just beat the Canucks 5 2. They went again yesterday or something. They're just, they have been on, they've been on another one. And good for them because I figured they'd be a good team coming in, but I did not realize how big of a difference maker David Krejci was. A full season of Hampus Lindholm too. I think he's second on the team in points, which is absurd. Good goaltending. They missed, McAvoy just returned, so they got even better. Marshan missed the first bit of the season. They're going to be good, and they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender. I didn't know how good they were going to be. I knew they were going to be good. Not first place, what are they, 14-2? and 14-2 and two for their first 16 games. It's unbelievable. Plus 30 goal differential. They've scored 65 on the year. I think that leads the league I think Vegas is the next closest with 61. It's it's pretty crazy. The other team that I, I don't know how legit they are yet, but they've showed it through the first 14, 15 games. The New Jersey Devils. They have won 10 in a row. They beat the Habs last night, 5-1. Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton living up to the contract in his second season. They got a good goaltending duo. Black um, Mackenzie Blackwood's been great. Vitek Vanacek played last night. They traded for John Marino, who's a former Pittsburgh Penguin. You know, it's funny. For the longest time with the Devils, 
it's they've been accumulating draft picks, drafting, developing. And the results just haven't been there, unfortunately. And now finally, in a year where everyone went, yeah, they'll be better, but like who knows, all of a sudden, they're first in their division, they're beating teams they should beat, and then competing against the more elite teams we thought coming into the year. This has been, they, their offense is what's carrying them right now, but they've been very solid defensively too. But their offense right now, of their team right now, 18 players have scored for them 43 times during a 10-game win streak, which means they're scoring over four goals a game, and it's coming from just about everybody on the roster. Now, will that continue all year? No. Might they drop a little bit? Maybe. But it's really nice to see New Jersey get back to being a solid team. I think they'll drop off a little bit. But right now, they're sitting very comfortably. It's a lot easier to make the playoffs when you get off to a hot start. When you fall behind, it takes a lot of grinding and a lot of hard work to get yourself back in a position. If you set yourself up right through the first couple months of the season, God, it makes things so much easier. And right now, we're we're about a month in. And New Jersey is doing a heck of a job right now. They are on a 10-game winning streak. They have scored 43 goals during that span with 18 different players putting the puck in the net. Good for them. Um, All right, let's finally finish here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we talked about them last week about them, what their team is in a nutshell, about how their goalie got hurt and they lose to Anaheim and Arizona and then they beat Boston and they beat Carolina. And, you know, the Leafs played last night and they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. And guess who started for the Leafs? That's right, Matt Murray, former Penguin, goes into Pittsburgh, picks up a 5-2 victory, and comes out on top once again in Pitt. Turned aside 34 shots, uh, 34 of 36 shots, several key saves in the final period after Pittsburgh cut it to 3-2. This was, so everyone was kind of harping on Toronto for what they did in the goaltending situation. Took a chance and traded for Matt Murray. And they're like, oh, they didn't get enough for him. Well, they got a goalie. Then they got a second pick. Then they got a salary retained. I I never understood the argument behind that. Like, yeah, you could have really screwed over Ottawa. But before the Leafs got Samson off, there were no goalies left on the market. And Toronto's like, we need a guy. And then after that trade happened, I think like three or four days later, it was known that Washington wasn't going to retain Ilya Samson off. And then the Leafs signed him too. Why I liked it at the time, more Samsonoff than Murray, was you're taking two guys and you're doubling your odds of finding a guy that's going to hit. If if the Leafs only took a chance on one guy, right, everyone would be like, well, if he doesn't hit, we're screwed. But Kyle Dubas took the chance on two guys. The one guy, Samsonoff, has been fantastic so far. And outside of Murray's first start, which came against Montreal, in which Toronto played horrifically, Murray came back yesterday and had like a 9, what is it, 9.48 or 9.5 something save percentage. Gave up two, sorry, he's turned aside 35 of 37 shots. He had a 9.46 save percentage. But on the season, on the season, sorry, Ilya Samsonov has a 2.23 goals against and a 9.21 save percentage in eight games. 
And Murray's numbers will continue to trend, but he's sitting at a 303 and 900. You know whose numbers are better than Jack Campbell's? Matt Murray's. Yes, he's played two games, but the Leafs took a chance on two guys and were were hoping one of them hit. Samsonov looks like a hit. The knee injury is not, he's not injury prone. That's a bad, that's a bad tweak where he leaned back. He's actually already back on the ice, which is nice. And Murray came back from an abdominal injury that he that he got injured playing when he was practicing. Came back yesterday in his first action on the road against his former team and stopped 35 of 37 shots. He looked good with the Leafs and will probably start again later on this week and could potentially get his numbers down even more. But I just remember everyone harping about the Leafs not either paying for a guy or, you know, the Leafs, you know, didn't pay Jack Campbell or whatever the case may be. And they took a chance on two guys who were question marks in fairness. But the one was 28 years old, who's won two Stanley Cups, was in an awful situation in Ottawa. By the way, Ottawa's goaltending, shockingly bad this year. Wonder why. But if they don't have to start Murray as much, if they can split him and Samsonov down the middle, it's going to lower the injury risk, potentially make his numbers better because you're taking workload off of him. And then you've got a 25-year-old former first-round pick who was dropped because he wasn't elite in Washington, who's also not great defensively, comes to Toronto and is putting up a 220 goals against in a 922 save percentage. Say what you want, but right now, outside of the injury, and the Leafs, by the way, have have almost had half of their game started by their third-string goaltender. They're second in the division. At 9-5-3. and three. Once Samsonov comes back and Murray starts hopefully staying healthy and playing a little bit more regularly, we're then going to see how good of a move this was by Kyle Dubas. If one of them gets hurt again and this continues and Toronto's in another situation where they're starting their third and fourth string guys, yeah, it's a problem. The injury to Samsonov was freak. Murray's the one who, if it happens again, that wouldn't be fun. But he looked great last night. He felt good. He looked healthy. And the Leafs got a starting goaltender again. And they should have their other probably by the end of this week, if not early next week. The Leafs were winning games without those two. Imagine what they ha- what happens when they get them back. All right, some news and notes to get to before we head on out today. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens forward, Jonathan Drouin, expected to miss four to six weeks with an upper body injury. The team announced uh, a week ago, actually this morning, sorry, he suffered the injury on November 5th against the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, but was in the lineup up until yesterday against the Devils. Columbus Blue Jackets forward Patrick Laine expected to miss three to four weeks with a sprained ankle sustained on Saturday's game. The team announced yesterday Laine was given some recovery timeline after hurting his elbow on opening night, made an early return, unfortunately hurt his ankle, is going to be out another three to four weeks. Uh, The Boston Bruins have hired a law firm led by former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch to review their player vetting process after the signing of prospect Mitchell Miller and then rescinding the contract afterwards. The team announced Tuesday they uh, it retained Lynch and saw uh, uh, of the law firm of Paul Weiss and Rifkind, Wharton and Garrison, to conduct an independent review of the process. Miller, who was convicted of assault in 2016, we've gone over this already for the reasoning, but nevertheless, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward around that situation. 
Leafs defenseman Jake Muzzin out indefinitely due to a cervical spine injury, which will be reevaluated in February. They also announced blue liner TJ Brody going to be out two weeks with an oblique injury. The Muzzin thing sucks because it's a neck injury. And from what it sounded like earlier this season, Mitch Marner made comments about Jake Muzzin and how he felt about his family and whatnot. And is just life after hockey. And it very much sounded like Jake Muzzin was not going to play hockey again. Neck injuries are always terrifying. So you just hope that he's okay. And we'll see what happens moving forward. It's something like it's it's one thing to get an injury and then rehab it and come back. But when it's your spine, when you're getting up there and you're coming towards the end of your career, you got to start thinking about life after hockey. And, and that might be the case with Jake Muzzin. Ottawa Senators defenseman Thomas Shabbat going to miss the next week of action due to a concussion, DJ Smith said on Sunday. He is sidelined. Artem Zub is out with an injury as well. The Sens recalled Jacob Larson from the uh, uh, American Hockey League. NHL suspended Washington Capitals forward Nicholas Obey-Kubel, who was picked up from the lease for three games uh, on Saturday after a check, check to the head from Tampa Bay's defenseman Cal Foote. Obey-Kubel caught foot with a high hit early in the second period on Friday. And the, finally, the Leafs showed Borea Salming some love for the second consecutive night this past Saturday with a very emotional tribute before their 3-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks, they recognized the trailblazing one night after honoring him ahead of the Hall of Fame game against the Penguins. Please welcome, accompanied by his family, number 21, Borea Salming. We now ask that Oliver Ekman Larson from the Vancouver Canucks and William Nylander of your Toronto Maple Leafs Join Boria and his family at Center Ice for tonight's ceremonial puck drop. Boria, all of Leafs Nation loves you. One more time, let's hear it for the great Boria Salming. The Leafs then honored him and iced an all-Swedish starting lineup in a clear nod to Borja Salming, who was unfortunately diagnosed with ALS back in August. That does it for the pod today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you give us a follow on social media at Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. Listen to the, all the podcasts, catch up on the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and enjoy the snow. Yes, it is beginning to snow from where I'm at right now. Hopefully you're enjoying it as well. And we will see you next week. Until then, that's a wrap.